things that I found the most uh, helpful is always, you know, sunscreen to protect yourself against the ultraviolet rays that could damage your collagen, having a good moisturizer that you like. And there's a lot of them out there. You know, you could spend $150 on one. But you, you don't can, need to. No, you yeah. can spend $20 on one. But it's it's more of a matter of consistent use exactly. than using the most expensive brand. In the evening time, you know, I don't do it every day, but sometimes I'll add a type of retinol or retin-A type cream that will encourage that kind of new cell formation. And a good vitamin C serum, I think, is good as an antioxidant against some of the UV rays that can happen. I, I would say probably my most favorite thing besides the routine is I like a chemical peel maybe every four to six months just to kind of, you know, freshen up. Just like you brush your teeth every day, but you go to the dentist for a good tooth cleaning. <laughs> Come to the dermatologist for a good skin cleaning. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Nicoletta Brankov, dermatologist, skin, hair, and nail specialist, and plant-based beauty foods expert. This is your place to hear the whole truth on skincare, skin trends, and myths, so you can get the tools you need to take back your confidence starting now. The information in this episode is not medical advice. This is for informational purposes only, and you should always consult with your doctor before implementing any of the information. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so excited to have a very special guest on the show today, my husband, Eddie. His name is Dr. Edward Perdonovich, graduated from University of California, Los Angeles, where he earned his Bachelor of Science degree, double majoring in biology and biochemistry with a minor in music. He then received a master's in hyperbaric medicine and completed his medical degree at Seba University School of Medicine, graduating in the top 3% of his class. After medical school, he completed a residency in internal medicine and pediatrics at Cleveland Clinic, Akron General, and Akron Children's Hospital in Akron, Ohio. Upon completion of his internal medicine and pediatrics training, he completed a two-year dermatology research fellowship and then went on to complete his three-year dermatology residency at St. Louis University. He is one of a small group of specialists with board certifications in three specialties, dermatology, internal medicine, and pediatrics. He is also an author of several publications and book chapters in dermatology practices such as general medicine, pediatrics, surgical, and cosmetic dermatology. His expertise includes diagnosis and treatment of diseases of the skin, hair, and nails, as well as various surgical and cosmetic procedures, including Botox, fillers, chemical peels, and sclerotherapy for spider veins. He has also spent a significant amount of time abroad volunteering in medical missions in South America, Africa, Asia, and Guam. He enjoys medical missions, swimming, surfing, river rafting, scuba, and classical piano performance. All right, everyone. So, Dr. Eddie, let's dive into some questions so my listeners get to know you more. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here, and I'm so excited to do many episodes with you. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? It's only the beginning. <laughs> awesome. So why don't you share with the listeners, like, where are you from? What is your nationality? And where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was born and raised in California, but my parents are from former Yugoslavia, which doesn't exist anymore, but countries more specifically is Serbia and Croatia. They had immigrated into the States in the 70s. 
But as they moved around the U.S., we ended up in California, where I was eventually born. So tell me a little bit about your story. I hear that you are good at classical piano. When did that start? Yeah, so my mom got me involved early on at the age of five. It was kind of by accident. They wanted to get the kids involved in music. And uh, it turned out that I guess at that point in time, I had some sparkle or some little fire growing me about, about piano performance. And, you know, it started small and then we had recitals and then eventually ended up in performing uh, some small solo concerts within the Southern California area. That's awesome. And I heard from your mom that you did a, you were in front of many people at a concert recital at five years old. Is that true? Well, they, at that point, I was uh, still a child. Uh, so they had many kids performing at that time. We would uh, perform in some, you know, local competitions between other students in the Southern California area. Sometimes they were duets that we did with other students. Sometimes they were performances where they had 20 pianos going at the same time playing the same song even uh, got myself on the tv news at one point when i was little so that was exciting so it started early going getting on tv huh uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good on tv being interviewed right <laughs> so tell me what sports you liked growing up you know, I was a little bit of a nerd growing up, but probably as I developed, my most uh, intriguing sports for me were basketball and anything that had to do with water involvement. So so I enjoyed kayaking and rafting, going to the beach with the boogie boards, and eventually transitioning into some surfboarding. Yay, and we love jet skiing too, right? And jet skiing, of course. Yes, of course, yeah. of course. All right. I'd love to just know more about when did you decide to go into medicine and why? And what was your kind of just your story? We can start from the beginning. Sure. So, you know, I knew I kind of wanted to do something medical at a very early age. I guess some kids kind of know what what their desires are to become as they get older. Uh, that was definitely the case for me. I think it really stemmed from having family members, including my sister, who had medical issues and some disabilities that after going to visit several physicians, we weren't always able to find adequate treatments. And I think that really just set a little fire in my heart that kept on growing and growing. And really, I think by the age six or seven, I kind of decided medicine was where I wanted to be. You know, the medical books and the anatomy books, I found them always uh, fascinating. Some may be reading, uh, you know, some uh, Dr. Seuss books and stuff, but I always like to look at pictures of bones and muscle structures and those kind of things. And I think even getting into high school and, and participating in certain labs, that really uh, perked my attention the most in addition to music. That's wonderful. And so based on all of that, you, I see you were, you were an excellent student in high school. Yeah, high school was a good time for me. I was actually a little surprised. I actually found out later that I ended up getting the valedictorian medal. At first, it was supposed to go to someone else. But I guess when they calculated the GPA, which was almost close to graduation, they said, oh, by the way, you actually got the valedictorian medal. And for me, it was more to, you know, make my parents proud. So, so that was nice. That eventually took me to UCLA. And part of that reason was to still to kind of stay close to home. And family was something that was very important to me. I really enjoyed my time doing the sciences there. And I guess my 
you know, my thought process was that I'd probably get into medicine somewhere in Southern California. And, and so I did apply to mostly the schools in Southern California first time to medical school. But as it turns out, I didn't get accepted to that round. So I guess looking back, maybe I should have applied a little bit more broadly, but that kind of led me to where I am now. Basically, at that point in time, I had discovered one of the Caribbean medical schools by a family friend, and they had told me about it, and I did some research on it. And after investigating some of them, there was one school in particular that caught my eye, and the school was named after the island, which was Saba Medical School. And that was located in the island of Seba. It's one of the Netherlands Antilles, or in the Netherlands Antilles, one of the Dutch Caribbean islands. I decided, well, let me go ahead and apply and see what would happen. I did get accepted, and I thought, well, at least for a semester, I'm going to try it out. And if I didn't enjoy it, I could always come back home and reapply to one of the American medical schools. Well, it turns out that I really became fond of it, ended up developing some very, very good friends. I found that because the class size was a little bit on the smaller side, we were able to have good intimate uh, friendships that developed and also really good study groups. And, you know, to be stuck on an island, you would think that it would be uh, beaches and music and party time. But actually, that island was a very rocky, very small island. If you ever look up Seba, it's interesting that it has the smallest airport runway in the world. So it's kind of scary to fly in and fly out of it. There's not much (laughs) strip of land. So the pilots have to be especially trained. But because of that, we spent a lot of our time studying, which I think was was a good focus. Actually ended up learning how to scuba there because they do have some wonderful scuba diving. And after my um, classroom time, I ended up then going to Washington State, where I ended up working or completing my clinicals there. Awesome. So I'm just going to kind of rewind here. So you were valedictorian of your high school. You're an excellent student. And then you did a double major in biology and biochemistry, as well as minor in music, which you are so amazing at. And then after that, you ended up going a more traditional route, but a new route, I guess, back then was to go to that route. So you went to Seba in the island and you excelled and it was a beautiful experience. And so tell me then, when you were, okay, now that you were doing your clinicals in Washington, at what point did you decide what you wanted to apply to for residency and why? Yeah, absolutely. And so the good thing is when you do your clinical experiences in the hospital, you get to see the different specialties. You get to work with wonderful professors in the field, and you get to really decide what what your life is perhaps meant to be many years ahead and what field you would like to specialize in. Well, I have to tell you, from the very beginning, I kind of always knew I wanted to do pediatrics. I think because of the time that I discovered I really loved medicine was as a child. I think the fact that my sister, who had certain medical conditions and disabilities, you know, at the time, you know, was a child herself, I really wanted to kind of focus on pediatrics. Well, it turns out I later discovered that they do have uh, specialties where you can become double board certified. And one thing that I also knew that I wanted in my life was to give back my time, give back you know, some of my efforts and resources where I could, and I wanted to do some volunteer work. 
well, just being specialized in pediatrics would be wonderful. But I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be great to be able to treat adults as well at the time? I could have chosen perhaps a specialty such as family practice, perhaps OBGYN. But then somebody had told me about a, a double major in internal medicine and pediatrics. What that would require is that it would require more time in residency. It would require taking two boards exams to certify. It would require obviously a, a bigger financial resource to be able to pay for the exams and the study materials and to keep up those specialties in order to stay board certified. But for me, that was very intriguing and I decided to pursue that route. That's actually, I just wanted to bring this in, where you did your residency in internal medicine and pediatrics is also where we met, uh, which was in, in the Cleveland, Ohio area, Akron, Ohio. Tell me more kind of that process or your story about applying to your first residency and then also when you got to Akron and, you know, what you learned throughout medicine and peds residency. Yeah. So, you know, during the time you, you apply to the different residency programs that exist and you also apply, you know, broadly and it may have ended up that I got in someplace else, but, you know, I believe kind of God set me in a path to, to be accepted in Ohio where like you said, I met you. At the time, we were just good friends, family friends. And I think we all hung out at times when I wasn't on call or post-call, exhausted and tired. And but back then, it was like 30-some-hour calls. Yeah, it was 30-hour it was shifts. And then uh, you get to sleep a little bit and you come back the next day. So uh, you had to recover quickly. But I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. I know when I first started on the floors, I was uh, you know, timid, shy. My biggest thing is make sure I don't kill anyone, you know. But the wonderful thing about residency, you do have people that are, you know, watching over you. You have people that you can ask questions to. And as you gain more and more experience, seeing more and more patients, you develop a certain confidence. You also need to continue to study. You need to continue to read because anything you do during residency is something that will be brought out when you're actually done and you're on your own. You want to know that you've studied hard, that you learned what you needed to learn in order to help others appropriately. And also, you have to keep up because there's new you know, technologies that develop, there's new medicines that are developed, and new knowledge that's acquired that you need to be up to speed with. Definitely. That's really excellent advice to any students or anyone listening out here who might be a resident as well. Definitely put in the time and work during residency because it really pays off and that's really the time that you have the most to invest and learn. Now, during your um, internal medicine pediatrics residency, at what point then did you decide to pursue dermatology or when did it ever click to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, dermatology was probably never in my uh, foresight. It was just something that kind of came about naturally. During my last year, year and a half of residency, I wanted to make sure that I was a competent physician. And one of the things that I felt that I was still not strong in was in skin findings. You know, rashes still looked pretty similar to me. 
I wasn't able to differentiate as well as I hoped, especially if there was any skin tumors. I didn't want to miss that if I saw that on a patient. And I thought, well, let me do some elective rotations, some time that I would be able to spend with one of the attending physicians, teaching physicians in dermatology. And I went ahead and, and scheduled that, and I was able to spend a few weeks with them. And I have to tell you, it was kind of like an awakening. Uh, I, I saw this field, and I saw how this physician worked. And, you know, I think a lot of times we decide to pick the field that we decide to kind of stay for the rest of our lives by the people that have impressed us. If somebody, you know, might have been mean to us in that field or might have not been enthusiastic about it, maybe we would have thought it was not so meant for us to do. But when somebody brings that enthusiasm and the excitement and and you partake of it, it's like tasting, you know, a good piece of cake. You're like, oh, I want it again. You know, I wanted to try it again. And I think that was one of the bigger things is my teacher really had put that in front of me and I was like, wow, I really, really like this. I have to tell you, later discovered that, you know, I always did have a fascination with skin. I remember now thinking back is when I looked at a possible significant other, I would always look at their skin. Some people look at smiles and eyes and those kind of things. I always looked at skin and I was like, oh, she's got good skin. So I didn't realize that that was a thing back then. But Well, you know, I have to keep up, make sure my skin looks as good as yours. (laughs) You're doing great. You're doing great. So after that time, I decided, well, I have still some more time that I could use. And I spent some time in Cleveland Clinic, actually, with working some with the attendings there. And that's when some of my publications kind of came out. And I realized, well, I think I might want to consider to pursue this as a permanent career. My initial intention, however, was to actually pursue cardiology. So after finishing internal medicine and pediatrics, my goal was to do a fellowship in cardiology, which not only did adult cardiology or just pediatric cardiology, but it was a combined fellowship in adult and pediatric cardiology. The main reason is there's obviously a lot of kids that are born with cardiac defects, they get repaired and these kids become adults. And sometimes certain physicians prefer not to take care of these patients. And that was going to be kind of my focus. Again, kind of pointing to the fact that some of my family members had congenital heart problems too. And, you know, that was something that, you know, I read up on when I was little and I found that a lot more interesting. But then when dermatology was presented to me, I kind of came into a crossroads, whether or not to continue with my desire to become a cardiologist or to maybe pursue a new endeavor in the field of dermatology. And I decided, well, I'm going to try dermatology first and see how it goes. I knew finishing internal medicine and pediatrics actually disfavors you in a sense from pursuing another residency. Part of it is because of, you know, government funding for a resident and so on. So I had to work a lot harder if I wanted to pursue that. And one of the things I decided to do was apply for a dermatology research fellowship. So let's back up there. Were you in your fourth year of the internal medicine and peds residency or in your third year when you then had had applied to the... Yes, in, uh, my, in my fourth year now. Awesome. So you are, you're applying to the dermatology research fellowship and keep going? Yeah. So, you know, I applied to several places that I had learned of. Most of, the, most of them were within either the Ohio area or somewhere in the Midwest, down as far as Texas, actually. And after interviewing from, for a few places, I ended up really liking St. Louis University. I waited for the call after the interview to see where I get in. 
And I was very well surprised to get a call back to say that they wanted to accept me for the research fellowship. Now, I've done some research, but this was two years really dedicated to, you know, research in fields such as psoriasis and observational studies and pharmaceutical studies. So a whole new field. There's a lot more dotting your I's and crossing the T's and making sure that every all the paperwork and triplicate forms are all completed. This is going to meetings and seeing what the new research is about. This is uh, recruiting patients to participate in these kind of things. And, you know, you have a new uh, appreciation for everything that goes into, for example, uh, studying a new medication and time that it, that is needed, the effort from the study personnel, the research coordinator, everything to get that done, because it does take quite some time, first of all, to make sure the medicine is effective, and second of all, you know, to make it you know, widely available for everyone, and especially know who would benefit and who would not. That's great. During those two years, basically, you were doing quite a few IRB projects, I assume? Yes, there was, I don't know, probably over two handfuls of IRB projects, some of them going on in the same time. For the program that I was in, I had to make my own IRB project looking, you know, something like a own research project that I had to present at the end of each academic year, as did the residents. So it was fun kind of working hand in hand, and I got to experience working with the residents, both in clinic as well as in their didactic sessions. So what was your biggest takeaway? How helpful was it for you in the application process for you to do this two-year fellowship, as well as I'm sure you also were in didactics and you also gained an extra two years of learning. So what were your biggest takeaways from fellowship? So definitely the biggest benefits of the research fellowship, one, is to really dive into dermatology, just kind of seeing the learning material, reviewing that several times even before becoming a resident, working in the clinic, meeting and talking with the attendings that were part of that university program. I think the benefit of a research fellowship, besides the experience that you gain, obviously exposes you to the people that will be looking at potential residents for the future, whether or not to accept them as a resident into their program. The more time you spend with somebody, just human nature is that you'll get to know them more on a personal level. And when they do that, what happens is they'll either see your great work ethic and they'll see how hard you you know, study, how hard uh, you get things completed on time, how much effort and energy you put into things. Or they could see the other side where you don't do as much work and that could work against you then. Because if you're not putting that much effort into your research fellowship, they realize that you're not gonna put that much into your residency either. And I think any program wants to make sure that residents work hard and that they'll take the exam and then they'll pass the dermatology board exam. Definitely. That's excellent advice. I hope you all are loving everything that he's sharing. And I really wanted him to dive in to talk about how, you know, networking, as he mentioned, is so important. Getting involved in research, publishing papers, book chapters, which is all those things that you did during your fellowship, working hard, not giving up. So then take me then on the kind of the next steps of your journey during and after fellowship. Yeah, so I had then applied for the residency program in a few places, but particularly the place I was doing my research fellowship. I figured that would be the area where I might have the biggest advantage of getting in. I have to tell you, that was an interesting thing, is when match day came, 
I actually didn't spot in any any place. What had happened was that the residency program at St. Louis University had accepted two residents, but I wasn't one of them. It was about a month later that the residency program director had come to me and said that they had planned the whole time to open up a third residency spot and they wanted to offer it to me. Now, my whole thing was, I wasn't sure if I was gonna get a dermatology residency spot. I know my work ethic is work hard, be genuine, be honest. Even when I didn't get the spot, it wasn't like I was just gonna walk out of there and just say, oh, you guys should offer me. Why am I putting all this hard work into this if I'm not gonna get anything back from it? No, your work ethic tells you you know, one thing, and that's the way I was raised, is work hard and you know, good things will come to those who wait. That's what I did. And I think they saw during that one month time that I didn't give up and I kept going. And I think at that point, maybe it was a test. Maybe it was just timing of things. But yes, I did get that residency spot. I enjoyed and my time with my co-fellow residents. And now it's hard to imagine not having them or not knowing them. If I had gotten perhaps one of the spot, I wouldn't have known one of the other ones. Yeah, it ended up being a wonderful uh, three-year experience after the research fellowship. Oh, I love that story, and I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) So after finishing your three years of dermatology residency, you did do a little bit extra, also more specialty, well, of training, because you do have interest in cosmetics, because within your residency program, you did have quite a bit of cosmetics exposure and learning. Can you go into that a bit? Yes, um, I think one of the uh, wonderful things about the residency program I was involved in, they had exposure to every subspecialty within dermatology. You know, there are some things that you may learn post-residency at meetings, at attending conferences. They might have little symposiums that are small. They might have larger things. But I felt confident enough after my training to be able to do a certain things. Now, even though I did, I have to tell you, even to this day, I continue to read. I continue to learn from others. I continue to go to conferences because you always learn even a little something that you might tweak in the way you perform something. So uh, one thing that I became kind of interested in is leg vein procedures, particularly for those with uh, venous insufficiency, uh, incompetent veins. Uh, I did some extra training in endovenous laser ablation, in phlebectomy, in sclerotherapy and ultrasound guided sclerotherapy. I figured that was a little niche that I could have in my practice. And, you know, I just enjoyed the fact that people are kind of symptomatic from some of those things. And if you can take care of that, you know, when you can take care of anything actually within dermatology and the skin section of, of, of medical world, people are, are really appreciative of those things. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your journey all the way from college, all the way to finishing your dermatology residency. And we so appreciate just hearing your journey and also inspiring so many other medical students and residents and others out there who are also looking forward to goals like these. I would just love to kind of shift gears a bit and ask you, what do you really love doing on a day-to-day basis now? What's your passion in skincare? What do you love the most with empowering and teaching your patients? Yes. So I am the most happiest when a patient comes back and is overjoyed that whatever their condition was, could be as simple as a wart or acne. It could be as complex as a rash that they've been dealing with for two years and have gone to five doctors and, you know, still haven't been able to treat it well. And they're like, doc, you, uh, you cured me or you helped me. And I see that smile on their face. And I think that 
gratitude pumps me up, you yeah. know, recharges my battery, like plugging an iPhone into the socket. And maybe that's a little selfish, but, you know, we go into medicine to help others, but definitely their appreciation boosts us up and, you know, we continue to do that. I like all aspects of dermatology. I like the procedural parts, which includes removal of skin cancers, even some of the deadliest kind. I enjoy discussing kind of how the pathology connects with the disease that they might have. I think one of the other things that I enjoy is I realized from early on when you have these things or these complex diagnoses, break it down for the patient. They like it in simple terms. Use analogies to uh, discuss so they can understand why you do something or why is this disease like this. Making it simple for the patient, they start appreciating that because I do find a lot of times the patients that I see that come from other physicians, you know, will tell me, oh, he only spent two minutes with me and he walked out of the room. You know, sometimes it requires taking that seat and discussing it a little bit more with them. I really do put like 110% in when I'm with the patients. I want them to know that I hear them, that I'm looking at them, that I'm spending the time with them, that I do care for them. And I think that's what comes back as, you know, acknowledgement that I'm doing a good job with them. There are times when some disease could be very complex, but that's when we consult with our colleagues. We might do a biopsy and talk with the pathologist or dermatopathologist. We might find another specialist in that particular field, in the field of dermatology, such as a nail specialist that we can email and you know get some console in. And I think the field of dermatology is vast. It's still a small, connected world, and people are usually gracious and they're kind to offer that advice. And I hope to do the same, whether it be so, uh, you know, a fellow colleague or a resident or a medical student that might have a question. That's wonderful. And I know you've been a great mentor to me, of course, as well, and how you speak with your patients, how you really take time for that bedside manner. So that's always been so incredible and amazing to learn from you. I love that you share that. Just another quick question. I, I know it's, it's a little bit... Um, a fun question, but uh, I know that my vows actually in my wedding, I I had said uh, something about how you have, you know, amazing skin. And so I just wanted to ask, like, why do you have such, such nice skin? Can you just, you know, we just need your secrets. <laughs> well, I, I know that came out as a good laugh during our wedding ceremony. I do think that one portion of it is is probably maybe genetics. I know my mom's skin is very good, even though she's much older. Okay, but we all want to uh, yeah, know yeah. <laughs> what else to do. I know that's JLo's claim recently, right? That she has uh, good genetics and she doesn't use any um, injectables. Tox, yeah, but yeah. we all know everyone uses tox, right? <laughs> I think, you know, a couple of things that can help, you know, from just talking about natural things during life, you know, drinking plenty of fluids, especially water trying not to stress out about the little things, those concentration lines in between the eyes, right? The 11s, those come constantly worrying about things. I think getting good sleep is beneficial and eating as you know good as you can, those really echo back onto the skin. I think as far as a regimen, things that I found the most uh, helpful is always you know sunscreen to protect yourself against the ultraviolet rays that could damage your collagen. 
having a good moisturizer that you like. And there's a lot of them out there. You know, you could spend $150 on one. But you, you don't can, need to. No, you yeah. can spend $20 on one. But it's it's more of a matter of consistent use exactly. than using the most expensive brand. In the evening time, you know, I don't do it every day, but sometimes I'll add a type of retinol or retin-A type cream that will encourage that kind of new cell formation. And a good vitamin C serum, I think, is good as an antioxidant against some of the UV rays that can happen. Some people like to add other things, and there's multiple types of serums and plasmas that they'll do in the office and a lot of, obviously, procedural things. I'll be honest, I have tried uh, certain things because I do like to know what a procedure is like if I'm going to recommend it to a patient. Being a residency instructor, assistant professor at uh, one of the universities, you know, I'd had sometimes the residents practice on me before they practiced on a patient. So I've had Botox. Just most recently, I probably had uh, a little bit of filler around the eyes, just again, for, for practice sake for some of the residents. But I haven't really dived into that just as yet. And I've tried some of the lasers to see what it's what it's like. I, I would say probably my most favorite thing besides the routine is I like a chemical peel maybe every four to six months just to kind of, you know, freshen up. Just like you brush your teeth every day, but you go to the dentist for a good tooth cleaning. <laughs> Come to the dermatologist for a good skin cleaning. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. I need to get more chemical peels on for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. So I love all those answers. And I just want to know kind of what is your final piece of advice for someone that is wanting to pursue dermatology? Yeah, so I would say one, don't give up. I would say number two, start early. Like if you get into medical school and you like, I really, really want to pursue dermatology, start in your first year. Reach out. If your university has a dermatology residence program, best place to reach out and start early on asking with some of the attendings like, hey, do you guys have any research projects that I could be involved in? They might have a a single case report you might do initially. They might have something where you might work up a series of patients There are sometimes within the school, a local derm interest group, usually fellow medical students that are also interested and they might have outreach programs. One of the places where I've worked, they had a community dermatology clinic that was free for patients, but they would organize it. They would call the patients, have them set up to be seen by some of the professors or assistant professors on the schedule. And, you know, everything would be free for the patients, which was great. You can do outreach programs in your local community through, well, nowadays with COVID, you can't go to a lot of places, but before people would go to high schools and teach about sun protection. I think these days that I'm seeing is a lot of medical students will take a year off, sometimes after the third year or sometimes after the graduate year to do a full year of research in one of the universities, which kind of becoming more of the norm. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of shows your dedication that you continuing to, to want to pursue this. And not only that, again, where you're doing your research, you get a lot of exposure to the attendings there and they get to know you, you know, reach out to them when you're there. Don't hide, just show up for the meetings, let the residents get to know you because they put a lot of input of, of which residents they want into their program. I would say pray a lot too. <laughs> that never hurts. <laughs> you know, if God has this in store for you, then then it's going to happen. But you definitely have to, you know, put your hard work in and always ask questions of people that have gone through that. There's student forums that I'm sure they still exist where, you know, they'll offer their experiences mm-hmm. or they'll suggest this research uh, fellowship year over someplace else. But basically, don't give up. 
work hard, help them see your, your dedication to it, and really start doing some of your research kind of early on. I know with the new the new way they're going to do the USMLEs, a lot of times you're not going to have the scores anymore, right? It's going to be pass or fail. So they're going to have to see your dedication through other ways, through, you know, your volunteer experiences. Definitely. You know, through, through the research that you do. Thank you for that awesome advice, Dr. Eddie. And <laughs> I just want to also mention that he also became a father a year and a half uh, 15 months ago. I just want to leave one final question here. What are you looking forward to in the next 10 years? More life and family and career? Absolutely. Yeah. Becoming the dad, one of the best things, obviously, that's happened to me. Can't imagine my life now without that, <laughs> with my, without my little boy next yeah. to me. Well, I guess I'm looking to have some more kids running around me. Um, you got to have some energy for that. Have some energy, more right? Botox right. And- <laughs> uh, you know, continue to get healthier, continue to help others. I mm-hmm. think for me, the two big thing was love God and love others and help others in any way you can, whether that be within your immediate family. Like if your parents are older, helping them out. If your wife has certain, you know, dreams and endeavors, supporting them. Kids as they're going to school, encouraging them in their various interests, whether it be hobbies such as sports or music. Just be trying to be the best person I can. Thank you so much for being on. And thank you for supporting me with being on my podcast. <laughs> thank you so <laughs> You're much. You're welcome. It was a fun time. So if you guys love this episode, please tag me at Dr. Nicoletta and seriously tell me, your favorite and your best takeaway from me interviewing my husband. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And until next time, step out with confidence. I'm over here virtually loving your glowing skin and cheering you on for finishing another episode of the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so glad you stopped by to learn more and empower yourself on how to love your skin one day at a time. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, just head over to drnicoletta.com for the show notes and all the resources from today's episode. It would absolutely mean so much to me if you subscribe and leave a five-star review of the show. Your support helps me reach more listeners and thus impact thousands and thousands of people. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, don't forget to step out with confidence.